Hello and welcome to Three Worlds Podcast number 24, following fairly quickly on the heels of number 23, trying to keep you off balance, you see, making you kind of think that you're going to have to wait for ages and ages and ages and then, gotcha. Okay, um, I thought what I'd like to do is to talk about healing and curing, um, kind of touched on it over the last sort of series of podcasts but I thought it would be really kind of nice to uh, chew the fat about those so shamanism really is about healing that's the sort of bottom line of it so you know a shaman is a healer in effect and it's not about your own spiritual path it's about service to the community and the people around you and all of that and of course you have your own spiritual path as part of that. So, you know, there's a fair amount of personal development in inverted commas because there has to be because that's all part of the sort of the role of a shaman. Um, But tribally, you know, a proper shaman, I'm not talking about a kind of Western practitioner because there's an awful lot of people that will call themselves shamans and really they're not. And... I wouldn't call myself a shaman and et cetera, et cetera. But we're not going to go into that as another huge topic of conversation because that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about healing. So I'm going to talk about traditional shamans, um, shamans in indigenous cultures, the actual, you know, proper kind of yardstick, if you like. They are healers for the community and communicators with the spirits. And so healing is a very major part of their practice, as well as sort of, you know, all the other bits to do with sort of communicating and festivals and all of that sort of stuff. But healing. okay. so I was thinking a little bit about this podcast before I started recording it. And as I was thinking, it dawned on me that really I think there are two kinds of healing that you can describe shamans as being involved in. And one of those is the shaman will do the healing on a journey, on a shamanic journey. And I'm going to differentiate between that sort of healing and the sort of healing where the shaman is not on a shamanic journey. They may well be out of it and in an altered state of consciousness, but they're not actively on a shamanic journey. So I'm sort of going to say the two sorts of healing are healing in this world and healing in the spirit world. And I know, you know, there's a sort of bit of a blur between them, but I think it's important to sort of draw some sort of distinction. But as I say, where the edge of one starts and the other one finishes, I've no idea. So I'm going to talk a little bit about healing in this world first, and then we'll move on to talking about shamanic journey healing. Healing in this world in shamanism is a vast subject and it depends so much about the culture of the shaman where they're actually coming from for instance a shaman may have a huge knowledge of medicinal plants basic pharmacology and they are using those plants because those plants have got proper active chemical ingredients and They are medicine in the normal Western sense of the word, herbal medicines. That uses a huge amount of plant knowledge and that 
plant knowledge is passed on through the tribal traditions i'm thinking in particular here of course of sort of south america i mean you know the, the amazon is is you know people kind of describe it as as, as the world's sort of uh, medicine cabinet um but it's not just that i mean all all places that have plants growing have got medicines in those plants so that's one way of doing it i don't know very much about plants and herbs um if any of my friends are listening to this, they'll probably be laughing their socks off now because I tend to like to grow rocks rather than plants because the rocks don't need watering so much and it's sort of easier. Um, so I'm really not an expert on plants at all. But some shamans will actually work with plants that are, well, fairly useless on a medicinal chemical level. They are working with the spirit of the plant, even though they're doing it in this reality. And they will work with the plant. Uh, you know, it could be anything. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say that they actually use grass, as in the stuff that grows in your lawn. But they could, for instance, work with the spirit of grass. And they would actually then use the grass to cure everything. Because they would, in effect, be giving the person the embodiment of their helper spirit, the grass spirit. And so it wouldn't necessarily have any chemical help, but it would also be part of the healing. So that's that. Those are two sort of very basic levels of healing, you know, but there's obviously a huge amount of subtlety in that. Most illnesses or put it this way, an awful lot of illnesses are caused by the mind. And by our perception of the world and our perception of ourselves we've covered some of this in the medicine wheel and we did the uh, the circle of foxes and the circle of coyotes a few podcasts go and so a lot of a shaman's role is to uh, to borrow a phrase from terry pratchett is headology uh, is working with the person so that the person can change their frame of reference to actually understand themselves a little bit better and sort of release blocked energy or however you want to put it so that they are more whole within themselves and therefore they are stronger within themselves i get lots and lots of people contact me phone me email me and whatever saying you know in effect they feel like they have been cursed or someone is putting out you know bad vibes on them or you know such and such is a really malevolent person and they're out to get them and they're attacking them in their dreams and that sort of stuff i'm not saying that that doesn't happen but i think i'm saying that if a person is full up with their own power then there is nothing for anything hostile to get in if you are full there is no empty space there for anything to get into you. We had an article in Sacred Hoop about blessings. And this this article was uh, about uh, blessings in Tuva in uh, southern Siberia. And there the shamans don't really go on at all about psychic protection. They go on about filling people with blessings because if the person is full up with blessings from the spirits, there is no need for psychic protection very interesting concept a very different way perhaps of working um uh, i met a, a group of uh, of pagans once um in uh back in england and 
I've got to say, I mean, this is nothing against pagans because I know loads of pagans and they're really nice people, but this particular bunch were a bunch of prats. They were all in their sort of black cloaks and top hats and silver-capped canes and they were going on about how they put hexes on this person and that person. And I thought, what a bunch of wankers. What is the point of all of that? You know, it's like the whole thing was just a sort of power trip. And why did they feel that they needed to do that in the first place? What was missing in them that made them want to do that? Like I say, I know loads of pagans and they're great, great guys and gals. These bunch were a bit kind of uh, off the planet. They weren't, weren't your normal ones. But maybe you've met people like that that are really into that kind of thing. Anyway, kind of going off the subject a little bit, but it is relevant because energy is very important if you're going to deal with healing. So, as I say, healing is a huge topic. So what would I do with somebody that presented themselves to me? They sat down in front of me and they said they wanted some healing. Okay, well, I'd look, first of all, to make sure that they haven't got a broken leg. You know, that's kind of fairly basic. Um... And, you know, I wouldn't deal with that. You know, there's no 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 problem in referring on to somebody that is more expert in it. And I'm no expert whatsoever in setting bones. But if they're saying my life's falling apart, they're saying to me, I'm not happy in who I am and what I want. And I can't explain this and I can't work out what's going on and I can't work out what is there for me. Then I've got two options. One option is, because I trained as a psychotherapist years ago, and it does still colour my kind of perception in many ways, um, I would take a psychological point of view, and I would talk to them. But then I would also be looking with my medicine eyes, if you like, and thinking about healing. So if I was working with a person like that, there's umpteen thousand million different things that could be done bundle making they could be working with a bundle they could be working with a bundle to actually empower themselves with or i could be instructed by my spirits or i could make a sort of bundle that would be appropriate for them uh using my intuition and also using what what knowledge of traditions that i have there are ceremonies that the person could do in terms of going out Oh, well, a lovely ceremony from the Native American traditions that we learned years ago. I've no idea where it comes from exactly and what tradition it is, but it's called a life doll and a death doll. Death doll is that you make a doll that represents you or represents the unhealthy you that is made out of the most grotty, awful materials that you can find. And then... You go on a medicine walk, and I guess I better explain what a medicine walk is. Uh, a medicine walk is a walk where you have a threshold, and you step over that threshold, and when you've stepped over it, you are on the medicine walk until you step back over it. And everything that happens to you during that time is a sacred space, and you try not to talk to people, you go somewhere in the wild, and you kind of experience what spirit is trying to teach you. So you 
would spend, to do a death doll, you would spend a lot of time looking at all of the things in your life that you really needed to let go of, that were really, really hurtful. Past traumas, past woundings, right back into childhood. You remember as many things as you could. There are set ways of doing this. Um, lots and lots of different ways of doing it. And one good way is to use stones to actually sort of hold the intent of, a, of, a, of, a, of a, an incident and then you put it down in front of you or to the left of you or to the right of you and you make a circle of stones all the way around you all the stones that you know mean something that's that's one way there's lots and lots of different ways of doing that but you get in touch basically with your stuff and then you will go out on a medicine walk and you will find grot you will find the most awful things that you possibly can dog shit bits of rotten clothing, anything that you can find that you wouldn't possibly want to touch is the stuff that you use. I took a group of people out once, years ago this was, and uh, we had some nice wild land that we used. And uh, it was a very hot day and most of them elected to take their clothes off. So they were naked and they were kind of sitting out in this wild place on their medicine walks. Now, this was a nice piece of wild land, except that it did have a footpath going through it. Now, it was the middle of nowhere. It really was the middle of nowhere. Um, so we didn't expect there to be any problem with this. Um, I'm back in base camp sort of uh, holding the, the space with, with uh, my partner, Jan, who is now called Faith. Um, you know, just holding the space and all these people are out there. And a lot of them are naked and they've gone across the threshold and they are collecting things like dog shit. And this couple walk their dog on a long hike. And they're walking down and, uh, you know, I mean, we didn't see them. We didn't see these people. But when people came back and they'd stepped over the threshold, they related to us how they were sitting there naked, holding a old rusty tin can with, you know, dog shit in it or whatever they'd found. And, and this terribly English couple would walk past and say, afternoon. <laughs> To which our people would sort of say, oh, good afternoon, you know, and kind of carrying on as if nothing was happening. This is very much the British way. <laughs> Stiff upper lip. Anyway, a digression, but a funny one. So you get all these bits and pieces and you make a framework of the doll out of bits of wood and horrible things, as horrible as you can make it, but little bits of wood, you know, old mouldy sticks, you know, kind of like the whole thing is grotty. And... You then think back to all of the stuff that you had put into the stones or been with holding the stones and uh, with, with your real sort of focused mind, you use your breath as a vehicle for your intent and you breathe out into all of those grotty things, all of the hurt from inside you. Breath is used so much by different cultures around the world for empowering objects so you're empowering the doll with all of your hurts. You're transferring them from you to it. And then when the doll is completely made and dressed, and it is dressed in all of the foul things that you have found that relate to the foul things that have been in your life, you bury it. At night, ideally in a 
scary place, in a place that makes you feel uneasy, because you have to do this with as much intent as you can do it. It's not just the exercise of doing it. You have to do it from every nuclei of every cell of your body. You're giving away all of the hurts of your past. And that's the end of that bit of the ceremony. And then what we did with this group is we brought them back and we fed them and we looked after them and gave them a celebration. And they went to bed fairly early because they got up the next day and they made a life doll. And a life doll is a doll of beauty. It's an alternative doll. It's full of beautiful things. It's maybe it's stuffed with sweet smelling herbs. It's dressed in beautiful silks or whatever you want to use. And the life doll they keep. And that's a healing ceremony, an individual healing ceremony that maybe you could even consider doing yourself if you wanted to. Well, certainly if you got together in groups of two or three or whatever and you supported each other in that, it's always good to have witnesses and support. But if you have no witnesses and support, and I know a lot of people are very isolated and they feel very isolated because they, they're a lot of, you know, their friends and their families maybe aren't kind of seeing this, this way of being in the world, then you can do that sort of stuff by yourself. So that's maybe one process that I would do with healing with them. If they were coming to me with physical problems, but they were more kind of physical problems caused by their life inside themselves, by their kind of internal ecology, then I might be doing things like getting them grounded by doing grounding exercises with them. Um, all sorts of stuff like that. These are more in the realms of therapy, I know that. But as I say, where do you draw the line between therapy and healing? But then I might do ceremonies where I invited the spirits in. I might get, for instance, the person to talk to the spirit of the person that was in their past that they needed to let go of and cut the fibres between them. These are sort of a bit more complicated, so I'm not going to sort of talk too much about them because they'll take up the whole podcast, really. But there are ways of calling the spirit of the person that you have an aggrievance with and then talking to them. And getting them to talk to you so that the person can, you know, you can hear what's going on. And then you cut the fibres. You say all the stuff that you need to do is done within a protected sacred space. And you deal with all of the stuff of the past. There are lots and lots of shamanic tools, healing tools that I might use. This is only me. I mean, everybody's a healer in their own way. This is just me talking about what I do. You know, I'm not a great healer. I don't go on a lot about healing. It's not kind of, it's becoming a bit more of my path, but it certainly hasn't been. The psychological stuff has been, you know, because that's that's was my first sort of healing training, as I say, in psychotherapy and counselling. So I've tended to naturally bring a lot of that in and um, kind of uh, bring in ceremony into the therapy, if you like, and therapy into the ceremony. But there are lots of tools that I might use. Um, for instance, I use an eagle wing to hit people with, um, which sounds kind of barbaric and whatever, but it's great fun hitting someone. I enjoy that. <laughs> um, no, seriously, it is because it's uh, it move, it's moving energy. If you're aware of the concept of chi 
you know, the Chinese acupuncture type sort of energy that moves through the systems of the body. You can use a rattle and you can use an eagle wing and you can use various implements to actually move that and to get people sort of grounded and it relaxes people. So I'll have them standing up in front of me and I will use this eagle wing and I will hit them, hit them on their back and on their arms. And I'm not sort of talking about thwacking them, really, really hitting them. I'm saying kind of like, it's almost like a kind of massage hitting. You know, you're not hitting really hard, but you're hitting hard enough. And it's a continual sort of pat, 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 moving over their body with the with the, the, the eagle wing. And that breaks up their energy. It sort of, it breaks any sort of blockages of energy. It gets people quite relaxed. And when they're relaxed, they stand on the ground better and their sort of body aligns itself better. So they're actually feeling a lot more present in the room. It, it really does sort of shift energy. I can't really describe it beyond that. You can use an, a, a drop fan if you wish to. Now, a drop fan is uh, a fan where all of the feathers move independently. If you're familiar with feather fans at all, some of them are quite rigid and the feathers don't move at all and they're set into a handle. A drop fan or a loose fan is its other name. The feathers are set into a handle, but they're set in loosely, so they actually move about. So it's almost like they're tied to a handle rather than set within it firmly. So when you hit somebody with a, a drop fan, you can uh, sort of the feathers float about and move. And that's that's another thing that they used for is that sort of healing. And also this gets a little complicated to explain, but you can use them almost like a, a hand reaching into somebody and pulling out energy that shouldn't be there. Um, it's sort of done with your intent and the feather. So if you imagine somebody in front of you, you use the feather almost like you're doing psychic surgery on them. You sort of put your hand in or your energy um, into the person with the feathers and then you pull it out. And the feather acts as a sort of claw and it grabs. You've got to be a bit careful with that. And it's not something I'm advising you to do unless you really feel comfortable doing it. But it's a way of taking out sort of negative energy from people. But you've really got to be careful that what you're taking out is negative energy. Because this is starting to get into the manipulative place. If you're going to do healing work with people, first of all, they have to actually give you permission to do it. You can't just go and do healing because, hey, you look like you need some healing. Yeah, let me give you some healing. It doesn't work like that. You really ethically need to have permission to do it. If it's a child, then I think if you have permission of the parents, that's OK. But you've got to be aware that you're potentially kind of moving into someone's karma if you are starting to do work on them. And it's getting into that kind of dubious place of sorcery. It's putting your power out over them. And you've got to be very, very, very careful about that. So healing is always done really with the patient's permission. And you've got to be tidy. You've got to be really tidy. Years and years ago, there was a girl on uh, a camp that we were teaching on and... Um, 
we had been there all day. It was moderately local to where we lived, so we weren't actually staying there. We came back. It was getting dark. We came back. But this girl was feeling sick. She was, I say girl, she was early 20s. And she wasn't feeling very well. And uh, this was in my more kind of innocent gung-ho days. This was sort of back 15, 20 years ago. And I thought, I can do something for you, sunshine. So uh, I had an eagle fan with me and I used that eagle wing there to, in effect, stroke her body to clear energies, to kind of sort her out and to take out, to flick out the illness that was inside her. That's another classic way of, of healing. You're taking out, you flick away, you cut away, you take out the illness. And... If you're going to do that, you have to be very, very careful with your own energy. I was not too careful with this. So I took it upon myself to do this healing work for this girl and did all sorts of bits and pieces with a sort of, you know, pulling out all this gunk from her energy body and whatever. And she felt fine or a lot better anyway afterwards. And I left her sitting by the campfire and, you know, other people around looking after her. And we got in the car and we sort of... It was in a farmyard, well, a farm. So we drove up this long, long farm drive out of the sort of place where we were and came back onto the sort of main road and, you know, drove towards home, which was, I suppose, probably about 40 minutes drive away. And uh, after I'd been driving about 10 minutes, having felt fine when I left the camp, I started to kind of get a bit yuck feeling. And um, I just kind of started to get more and more yuck and I was driving the car and I thought you know this this is gonna end in tears I do not feel good so I eventually found a very posh hotel big country hotel and I absolutely knew that I had to get to the loo in this place because I didn't know if I was going to erupt from either end but I knew I had to get there pretty quick so I remember vaguely, I don't even remember it that well because it was all such a blur, but I remember driving into the car park, not parking the car, kind of saying to, to Jan Faith, as I say, she changed her name to Faith recently, so I kind of use both names when I'm describing her, but saying to, to Jan, as she was then, I've got to go in there. Take the car keys. So I just left the car with the doors wide open, ran into the reception now, remember, I'd been on a camp, so I was wearing kind of pretty grotty kind of outdoor medicine-y type camping clothes. You know, I was not smartly dressed. Rushed up to the reception in this big, posh country hotel and said, where's the toilet? And they pointed and I got there just in time. And God, did I feel awful. I felt so awful. And that was a really, really important lesson for me because I really did take on this girl's illness. She didn't give it me. It wasn't like I was cursed. It wasn't anything to do with that. It was me. It was my hooks and my eyes, rather. My eyes were caught by the, the hook of the illness, if you like. Illness is an energy. And if you are going to do any sorts of healing on that sort of level, you really need to do some basic psychic 
awareness exercises and protection. This isn't protection against sort of evil. It isn't protection against um, curses, like I said. It's about just not picking up the energy. You've got to be scrupulously tidy in your own energy, which I wasn't. And you've got to be scrupulously tidy with any energy that you take out of people. So I think before I launch into a whole load of stuff about sort of uh, energy hygiene, um, it might be quite good to just sort of recap a little bit because this has been a little bit of a kind of rambling introduction to healing. So I'm just going to try and be focused for a minute or two because this will continue into other podcasts. Um, I haven't talked about uh, working with spirits in trance actually on a shamanic journey and I haven't talked very much about uh, the use of ceremony and ritual. There's a phrase used in Tibetan Buddhism where ceremony is described as um, symbolic activity and I think that's a very, very nice way of actually sort of describing ceremony and I think it's a very important sort of aspect to healing. So this would have to do for this podcast because I can't go on and on for ages with it. But I think next podcast we'll look at other aspects of healing. We'll look at energy management. We'll look at symbolic activity. We'll look at some more sort of ways of sort of psychic hygiene and actually what you might do with people sort of in the room. Um, and take it from there. I can see that this is going to be a series of podcasts a little bit like I did one on the medicine wheel teachings. I think healing is going to take two or three or maybe even more podcasts to uh, give it any justice at all. Because as I said right at the beginning, it is a huge subject. It is the core, really, of shamanism. So, And there's so many different tribal cultures that do it in different ways. So... Uh, Stick around and hopefully you'll sort of be there for the next podcast and we'll go further into this world of healing. All right. Um, thank you for everybody that's contacted me. My email address is nick at sacredhoop.org. The website for this is threeworlds.co.uk. Number three, not, you know, not word free sacredhoop.org forward slash offer dot html so thank you and uh, I'll be back hopefully soon bye